We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the retweets. Thanks for the shares. Thanks, thanks, thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Paul Barron, an entrepreneur with over 50 years of experience whose latest venture is the wall printer. Paul studied to become a math teacher, but soon found his real calling as an entrepreneur, at first following his passion for tennis. He opened a string of tennis stores before eventually selling to his partner and entering corporate life. While he learned a lot working for others, he decided it wasn't for him and embarked on a series of entrepreneurial projects, some that failed and some that succeeded. Paul's businesses have included a successful restaurant in New York City, which promptly failed when he moved it to Florida, and a dog-washing franchise. He follows what interests him and what he thinks serves a need in the market. In 2019, he became intrigued by the wall printer, a hardware device that allows one to actually print on walls and other vertical surfaces. Finding that they did not exist for sale in the U.S., he researched the best company offering this type of machine, ordered some, obtained the licensing rights to sell them in North and South America, as well as the U.K. He sees selling wall printers as a good business opportunity for entrepreneurs. And even though he started the business at the start of the pandemic, he already has 50 people who want to sell wall printers. Now, let's get better together. Paul Barron, welcome to the podcast. Jari, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for accepting my invitation. You are <laughs> one of the rare people I get to speak with that actually have a hardware company that you can touch and taste and all the challenges and struggles with that because you're the CEO and founder of The Wall Printer, which seems like such a cool idea. I can't wait to dig into, but you've also been an entrepreneur for 
as many years, if not more than I've been alive, it seems. <laughs> so, oh, thank, thank, thank you for bringing that up. As I, <laughs> as, 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 I, as I say, when I get off the tennis court and I, and I happen to be lucky enough to, to beat some 40-year-old or these days even a 50-year-old, and, and I do ask them their age, and, 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 I, and my response is, well, gee, my socks are older than that. And, uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, I, yes, I, I have... I have traveled several miles and several years on this journey of what does Paul want to do when he grows up, which exactly. is, which, which maybe should be the first question any <laughs> entrepreneur asks. Exactly. Cause it does feel like we never really truly grow up. And I think that's the beautiful thing about what keeps, uh, you know, us as entrepreneurs sort of alive and engaged. I mean, I'm 50 and it, you know, it's been a 25 plus year journey for me, you know, ever actually longer since I was in college, I was always entrepreneurial and, it's just funny because that spark, I mean, you just started the wall printer like a, about a year and a half ago, or maybe almost two years ago. Yeah, and just so, two years. yeah. So it's, it's yet a new thing that most, when most people are like, yeah, I'll retire from whatever, you know, it's, it, I've done that six times. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, yeah. So that's, I love that. I love that. But you know, we can, we'll be able to talk for hours about this, but before we get into all that, I, you know, let, let's, let's hear a little bit about the journey to where, you know, you're find yourself today. Well, uh, how I got here or, um, or why I got here, where would you like me to Well, to I mean, it? you know, we yeah. <laughs> can start wherever you want to start. I think the, the thing well, that people let, really- Well, let's just tell people, maybe we'll start, we'll start where you just mentioned with a hardware um, yeah. product, um, which also is the basis for an entrepreneurial opportunity for people to deliver a service. And we can go backwards maybe a little bit from there. Yeah, that'd um, be great. But, um, but yeah, hardware is nice. Um, you know, something that you can touch and you can feel and everything else. And of course, most hardware, of course, has software that's operating th these days, um, you know, unless it's, you know, a baseball or something like that. Um, but certainly I'm in the business of uh, manufacturer distribution and selling uh, printing machines. Um, and that's what the wall printer is. It's a vertical printing machine. Um, it prints on walls, any wall, indoors, outdoors, any type of surface, glass, metal, stucco cement doesn't matter what it is um it is a it is your desktop printer put vertically um so that's ultimately a description of what the product is but but that's not what my business is you know a lot of people say you know what oh what, what business does mcdonald's what what's the mcdonald's business and the knee-jerk reaction is they sell hamburgers hamburgers and fries well that's not their business their business is real estate their business is picking up pieces of property and finding the best pieces to property to put uh, to put a McDonald's on and, and to have a business opportunity for people who want to then establish that business. I am no different than that. We're not a franchise by any means, but we are a business opportunity. First and foremost, my journey, which started some 50 plus years ago, when you were a thought, I'm sure in your parents' heads um, at the time, uh, I began uh, my journey uh, I was playing tennis, which I still play now 50 years later. And uh, the package not deceiving. I was pretty, of course, this is not video, so nobody could see that I'm a big fat old guy, um, but uh, I still play pretty good. And uh, it, when it started, I put myself through college stringing tennis rackets um, for the university athletic department. And after graduating school, even though I had a teaching degree um, in math and computers, and I taught high school mathematics as my first job, um, I opened up a tennis shop 
to in the community where I went to college and it became a retail sporting goods store and that grew to three stores. And I dropped out of teaching because I was spending too much money, too much time and money, but too much time mostly on the business of growing my retail stores. And, uh, but I enjoyed it. And I was passionate about that, like I was about my tennis. And so that put aside the career of teaching, much to my parents' dismay, who thought that doing something secure like public service or civil service jobs not, uh, is, is much more secure uh, with pensions and everything else. Of course, we've learned uh, over the years that there is no security in anything these days. And so while I thought of that because of the passion early on and said, no, this is what I want to do, uh, and they eventually went along with it, probably because I was, turned out to be successful um, and, and doing that. And, uh, and then one thing led to another. And after the rest, after the retail stores, um, I then decided to go into the corporate world and leverage some of, the, some of the experiences that I learned, having my own retail store, working for a large company as a retail sales manager, operations guy. And because I thought there was things that I couldn't do on my own in my little small retail stores that I could learn from the big boys. And so I did that. But then I found out soon enough that I really didn't like working for anybody, um, that I really liked. Um, I had my own ideas about how I thought things would go, some of them good, some of them bad. Um, but uh, I preferred learning on my own. I preferred being rewarded for my successes um, and also pay the penalty for my failures. Um, and, and I guess when you, when you have to think, am I an entrepreneur or not? Or is this the journey I want to take? Do I want to take the risks that are associated with starting your own business? Which typically, now you can start a, you start a business and not be an entrepreneur. You can buy an established business um, that had some track record because you have the finances or the connections or it's in your family. Um, and it's been, you know, brought, you've been brought into that and everything. That's not, in my mind, that's not an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur, first and foremost, takes a risk. Takes a risk because because, and you shouldn't be doing, taking this risk unless you're solving some kind of a problem, some kind of a problem that out there that needs some kind of solution that you can provide. And then couple that with your passion to do it. And so, you know, somebody told me a long time ago, one of my first jobs after I sold my tennis shops uh, and I went to work for this large company and, uh, and I didn't think that I was getting paid fairly. I didn't think that I was getting, because I actually knew what the owners were making. And he said something to me, uh, that stuck with me to this day. And this day, it means I'm talking probably about 50, 48 years later. Um, he, he's when I went into him and I just received a Christmas bonus, which at the time was 20 years old. It was a thousand dollars. My mother happened to be the bookkeeper for the company. She knew that the owners each took about a $40,000 Christmas bonus for themselves. I was head of sales. It was the virtue of my performance that they benefited um, financially. And so I went in and I said, you know, I really think I deserve more than this $1,000 check, which I appreciated very much. And the owner said to me, Paul, when you work for somebody, you're never, ever going to be paid what you think you're worth. But when you work for me, I'll pay you more than anybody else will. And so, and I was making great money. I was 20 years old. This was back in the 70s. I was living in a condo on the beach, Long Beach, Long Island. And I was living large and I thought that was great. I quit the next day um, and I opened up my own company, basically being a sales rep for manufacturers just like that was. And, um, and so, uh, and, and then I began realizing that I couldn't work for anybody else. I had to be a little independent um, and, and call my own shots. And so, so 
I, I did. I began, I began being a hired gun for companies, um, doing sales and marketing for the most part. Um, and then every once in a while, something would really hit me and I would want to, or an idea would hit me and I would go ahead and try to create it. <clears throat> I did have a software company at one point, which was one of my wins. I went into the restaurant business. That was one of my losses. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but the journey all along the way taught me things every step of the way. Um, and I, and one of those things was I didn't really like wearing all the hats. Um, I like the sales and marketing hats. You've got to learn what you do. Well, that's number one. Number two, you got to enjoy what you're doing. And so, uh, if you, if you, and you have to respect, um, who you're working with and the products that you're representing, whether it's a service, uh, software, hardware, doesn't matter. So I tried to find things that really got me going. Um, we're dog people. My wife and I weren't, weren't fortunate enough to, uh, to have children. So we went the puppy route. And so uh, we have dogs. And so we, like most Americans with dogs that have, uh, they spend as much on their dogs, I think, than they do on their children. Um, and probably more, yeah. probably more, probably <laughs> more, but they don't ask for the car keys and no college fund. Yeah, so, so, go. so we got so that going for us, yeah, they got but, but I started look, but I, I searched things all dogs related when I'm on the internet and things would pop out at me that were pet related, that would interest me. And I found a self-service dog wash machine out of Australia and, it really resonated with me because so this is interesting. It's kind of like the old car washes that you drove through and you had a wand and you sprayed it with water, you sprayed it with wax, and then you dried it off with towels. Um, this was a $10 for 10 minute machine. It was like a vending machine to wash your dog. And I thought that, boy, that, how clever is that? And so I reached out to them and they had no, it was an Australian manufactured product and they had no presence in the United States. And I said, well, you know, would you be interested? And so we struck a deal um, and I founded a company and I became a master distributor for them and identified the customers that would help them grow their market here in the United States, found a manufacturer to actually manufacture the product here in the United States, learned a lot along the way, but I was still a hired gun for the company. I didn't really have any equity in it. And the businesses, one thing I learned of the businesses that I've had, which span products like this one, there was an, a, a baby bottle manufactured in Australia, I'm sorry, in Austria that I introduced into the U.S. market. There was a headband headphone for children that I um, that was manufactured in China that I introduced to the market and was always pretty much as a hired gun for these companies, helping them identify their valued customers, partners, and then help scale the company. And invariably, I was then pushed out when either the company exited um, or I reached the goals I did and got bored or looked for something else. Um, but I retired several times over the years because I, I was doing fairly well um, doing these things. Uh, but something then always popped up that interested me that said, boy, this looks interesting. Let me learn more about it. And <clears throat> usually when I say that, my wife hears me in the other room from my home office and, and I say, Maureen, come take a look at this. Well, <laughs> rather than come into my office, she cuts up my credit cards and hides the bank account. <laughs> <laughs> because, because she says, here we go again. Here another, we go again. Uh, another oh, ride. Yeah. Another and, ride. And, exactly. and, and, I, and I promised her, though, that I was never going to go work for somebody again um, or represent even a product again like I have because that was too much consu consuming. And I was usually always doing it for the benefit of somebody else. Mm -hmm. But this last one was the wall printing machine. And I found that. I struck a deal with the manufacturer. Um, I own all of the, I, I invested heavily in it to own the, the market for it. I, it was something I never saw before. Kind of think of myself as fairly normal, although many people would have 
argument to that, but I think I'm a little um, normal in terms of being a consumer. Um, and that if I see something um, and I can afford it and I see some value to it, I see a problem that I have that it solves, whether it's a shirt or whether it's a car or whether it's, you know, a wall printer. If it solves a problem and it's something interesting and something I can afford, I may consider purchasing it, learning how to use it or something. Um, not really thinking about creating a business around it. But in this case, I never saw it before. It was a technology I'd never seen. Um, and of course, I start wondering when I see something like that, why not? And so I did my homework, something anybody should do, whether you're working for somebody, going out to eat, going to see a movie. We live in the world of the internet. Information is out there. Take advantage of it. So I started saying, well, what is this wall print, vertical printing machine? And I found out there were only a handful of manufacturers in the world doing it. I researched them all uh, because I'm a little obsessive like this. Um, I talked to them all. I found out there weren't, why don't, why haven't I ever seen this before? And it turns out because it's a piece of hardware as Jari, you, you mentioned, um, you know, that you have to touch, feel. Um, it requires support as most hardware items, whether it's a washing machine or a printer or a car. It requires service. It requires support. It requires training. Um, it requires a, some type of a learning curve. And so, so in fact, we decided, um, you know, to, to find out why it wasn't here, who provides it, um, who's selling these things. And I found that what I consider to be the best product. Um, had a company that represents me go to China, kick the tires, um, make sure that it wasn't a company working out of their garage. I had vision for a company that I'm going to build that it could scale to a certain amount, wanted to make sure they could deliver. So all of these things considered, uh, I've struck a deal. And now today I own, um, and this was in 2019 that I did this after a year of research, uh, 2019, I bought the rights to all of North America, South America, um, and the Caribbean. Um, and now I also added the UK to that. Um, and so that's what property I own. And the reason I own it is because I want to carve it up and make opportunities for other people who haven't seen anything like it. Now, good news, bad news. If you want to be the first kid on the block with a wall printer, the good news is you'll be the first kid on the block providing this service because it doesn't exist. The bad news is you're going to be the first kid on the block doing this. Yeah. So to the point of entrepreneurship, you've got to be willing to market something, whether it be right. yourself, whether it be the product, whether it be the service. But somewhere along the line, you've got to make people understand what it is you've got and why do they want it. Uh, people buy benefits to themselves. They don't buy features. So mm -hmm. this may be the greatest wall printer in the world. It may put, may put images um, on the walls, which it does, any digital image, any wall. But why, why this instead of a vinyl sticker or instead of buying a poster and framing it and putting it on the wall or hiring a painter to paint it on the wall? Uh, or, or wallpapering my wall, you know, why, why, why this instead of that? And, and again, we don't have to get into the specifics of my business today and all of this. Happy to talk to anybody who wants to connect with me uh, to their heart's content. But this is more about the journey I've taken um, in terms of understanding that this was a product that I could get excited about, um, that I could find a reason for other people to get excited about and create a business for them. Now, again, talking good news and bad news, when you're Thinking of starting your own business, um, timing is important also. Yes. Um, I started my business in December of 2019. I received my first shipment of machines, about $100,000 worth of machines, uh, uh, on December, the end of December 2019. I had a bunch of machines that were all written in Chinese. I had no idea what they were. I didn't know what to do with them. I didn't understand what they were. I didn't know how to sell them. I didn't know who would buy them. 
in, in fact. I did everything I've described to you up to this point in this conversation, Jari, in terms of this was something I thought was pretty cool. I had no idea if anybody else did. Now, I'm not encouraging this for entrepreneurs to not do their market homework and market research. Just that, I don't know, I'm, I'm either an idiot, a fool, or, um, or I just get so excited about something and, I, and I'm confident enough after 50 years of knowing what I might be able to make work and what I might not. Right, so I was right. confident. But then COVID came around in January. So here I sat with literally $100,000 of equipment, well more than that in terms of the territory I just bought from the manufacturer to have exclusive rights to. Um, where nobody could travel from 100 miles away, much less South America or Canada, right. to come and visit me to see right. something that they cannot see. It's not like, hey, I want to be in the food business. You know, let me look at all the pizza places in town. Well, you can find 10 of them within a block, within a stone's throw. And you can decide, is that the kind of, and you could go and watch them make pizza. And you can decide, is this something I want to do with my life? Okay. Uh, that's, that's not what you can do with a wall printer because it didn't exist. So good news, bad news. Bad news was just that. Nobody can come see it. I couldn't, uh, I didn't know who wanted it. Um, and, and there I sat. And I didn't know when COVID was going to lighten up. But I was all in, much to my wife's chagrin. Um, I was all in. And, uh, and so I hired people when everybody was being laid off. Um, I learned how to use the machines. I converted them from Chinese to English, Spanish, French, and Portuguese for the markets that I owned hoping that at some point I would actually find somebody in those markets to want to learn more about this product. Right. And, and I learned what they could do. And I learned the market. I learned, is this really a solution to somebody's problem? Um, and so I did that homework after the fact. Um, but I did it because I had 10 months, what turned into 10 months. I didn't know at the time. Right. I was hoping no it was going to be 10 days, yeah, but it no turned out to be time. 10 months yeah. that nobody was traveling. And so on the good news part of that, it mar I did a really good job marketing it. I let, made people aware of it through social media, through uh, our own establishing our own website and, and the, the resources that were available that COVID could not interfere with, which were Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Google ads, things like that. TikTok, Reddit, all those resources where people could be made aware of things. And in fact, the good news of that is everybody was home doing nothing but surfing. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, this looks cool. This I wonder if I could cool. use this wall printer thing. Oh, well, tell me more, Paul. What do you think? You know, <laughs> 150 people a day had wow. that very same reaction. Well, that's great. I mean, so, this is so fascinating that so way. So on, 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 on wow. literally spending nothing, which yeah. again, you know, I encourage people, um, this isn't an advertisement for Facebook by any means, but it's, <laughs> but it's an inexpensive way to, to target local markets. Yeah. Now me, yeah. me, I was targeting everything, North and South America and the UK. So I'm getting 150 inquiries every day from spending less than a hundred dollars, honestly, every single week in wow. these 10 months that I wasn't doing anything. Wow. So I, so I took away from that. If I'm going to expect somebody else to become the entrepreneur that I was when I said, this is pretty interesting. Let me learn more about this. How are they going to find their customers? Well, right. one thing I did learn, it's not hard. If you go ahead and you, you introduce this and you let people see this, they are going to want to learn more about it. Now, granted, out of those 150 inquiries I get every day, 140 of them say, wow, that's pretty cool. And then they find out it's not a 
$50 desktop HP printer, but it's a $25,000 machine that they got to learn how to use. And it's 100 pounds or 300 pounds, which are the models of these machines that they've got to lug somewhere to put a wall printing um, at somebody's home or business. Um, they, they then go away. But and, or they say, you know, I'm not going to buy this as a business, but maybe if there's a wall printer in my town one day, I'll get a wall printing. Yes. And so, so we, we accumulated all those. We threw them into our CRM. All of you entrepreneurs out there, CRM is the acronym for Customer Relationship Management. It's a database that you should keep track of your customers. I encourage everybody to have one. It's like Outlook on steroids right. for the, to simplify it. Um, but anyway, we took all these names of people who may want to wall printing, threw it in there, knowing that someday God and willing and the creek don't rise that I would actually have a, a wall printer in every community around right. and I'd be able to give them these leads. But yeah. 10 of those 150 were in fact people who would say, you know what? $25,000 doesn't scare me. Um, you know, I was going to invest in a plumbing business or this, or I was thinking of what I want to do. And so maybe this is a good, a good business for us. So it's those people willing to take a risk, willing to learn more that we start talking to and having conversations with and, and sh sharing with them what this is all about. And yeah. if some of them, in fact, have that personality out of a hundred of those people, then one becomes a wall printer. And yeah. that's what it's been. So in the past year now, since wow. COVID lightened up, we have 50 wall printers that are out there, um, 50 new businesses, new entrepreneurs who are taking this on. Some of them are people who have never done anything like this, that were home just surfing the internet. Some do have painting business or general contractors or their graphics designers or artists that see this as an adjacent part of their business that could leverage customers they have and add revenue. And, and what we're really all about is helping people find a business opportunity. Mm. But that's not why you call. So I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so, so Jari, I apologize to you and your audience for telling, for telling them why, why, why we've done what we've done as opposed to what made me do this. But I hope well, that came out. I hope that came out. No, 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 no. So, so what's fascinating about the journey, that particular journey, um, is so traditionally I don't recommend people like, invest a ton of money until they know there's actually a market there, which you sort of like, yeah, you blew that advice away. But, but in, in my defense and in your defense, right. I think they think this is the nut, right. That, that that's really important. Like you've got 50 years of experience doing these sort of things. You sort of have to take a chance. You just happen to be in a position where you could afford this and you kind of believed and you know, your gut, which is a pretty big, you know, indicate like a lot of entrepreneurs got pretty good gut, you know, once they, once they develop it, you sort of knew, eh, the probability of this is pretty high given what's already out there. So if someone wants to paint a mural or put signage on anything, I mean, they hire people and there's, there's already existing technology and existing ways to do this. This just seems like a better way, a more flexible way, an easier way for people to have what we like to call adjacent kind of opportunities, markets, expansion. Um, so yeah, it's kind of not the traditional way to do it, but. Yeah, but to your point, Jari, and, and, and it's a good point that um, it's one of the few times I accept the point that I'm 50 years into this with, with experience, but, but yes, that obviously had a big impact of me willing to take a risk. But, but, I, but let's look at the flip side. Let's look at the guy coming out of college or high school right. um, who, who has an idea. And I don't care whether it's software, hardware, service, whatever. 
Um, you know, so much innovation comes out and so much creativity comes out of people if they just find it when it comes or they, or they, or they, uh, or they think about it when, when it comes or they think that this idea that I had can become something. Right. Um, and and right. it doesn't take money. You know, I, I'll say that right off the bat. It doesn't take a six or seven figure investment like I've done in this kind of a business, um, which involves hardware, which costs money. But if you're going to develop something, you can develop something on the back of a cocktail napkin, you know, and, and that that can become the next six and seven figure business. Um, but you've got to be willing to go ahead and take that to at least the next couple of steps. With some people, the next couple of steps are writing a check. With some people, the next couple of steps are, you know, let me find a software programmer or let me find you know, somebody to test this or somebody to, um, you know, somebody to use this. And I don't care whether it's a medical device or it's a, a, a cell phone feature or something else. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's really no, there's no reason uh, why money should be a limitation to anybody who, who really has the passion, um, the idea, uh, but you do have to go through those tests. And again, I, I don't mean to shortcut that process by saying I quickly wrote a check for something. I mean, I did know that this was something that that had um, other solutions. You know, there are things wall printing is not. You know, we don't do, we don't do vehicle wraps on cars. If somebody wants to right. do a car, you know, go go to the traditional vinyl stickers and do that. Right. Uh, but you can't put a vinyl sticker, you know, in a an, an toxic vinyl in a school or a hospital or outside on brick or stucco. So there's right. a place for everything. I right. guess that's why there's McDonald's and Burger King. You know? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. You and, know, there's not just one, you right. know, you know, there's it's original Ray's in New York City pizza place, but there's 50 other pizza places too. Exactly. And there's, you know, there's, there's, there's opportunities for people. And then it comes down to you personally, you know, are you right. able to go ahead and, and articulate what you're doing to others that makes them understand the value of what you're presenting? Um, do you, do you truly have a, a feature that will be a benefit to somebody or an idea that's going to be a benefit to somebody. And, and then go ahead and, you know, find out who wants it besides you, you know, do your focus groups, your, your test markets. These things don't take money. They take time. They take commitment. They take a flash of, I think I've got a good idea. And Hey, if you don't, you know, what's the, this, the old expression, which, which we're watching the Olympics these days, every night on TV, you know, the old expression is, is as good now as it is every single day in everybody's life. It's not how many times you fall down. It's how many you get up. Right. So exactly. That's, totally. that's an entrepreneur getting yeah. up one more time. Yeah. And keep on getting up. Right. And, and it's, I think it's just really powerful to, to realize that, you know, this whole idea of it doesn't take money to start something. I mean, a lot of people, think, oh, I'm going to have an idea. I'm going to do a bunch of PowerPoint. I'm going to go to Sand Hill Road. I'm going to pitch a bunch of VC there and give me a bunch of money. I'm going to go build my idea, right? Um, more often than not, entrepreneurs don't ever get any real big investment from VC. In fact, I think less than 5%, maybe it's less than 10% of all entrepreneurs actually get investment from like the traditional VC route or even investment from friends and family. Typically, you know, they either have some bootstrap money, like as, as you, you've done with your business, or, you know, they hustle enough on a side hustle or a service business to actually bootstrap themselves. And, you know, the, the whole idea of like figuring out if what you have is something you touched on a little bit, especially with this particular business where, or even the dog washing business, which I think you turned into a franchise or had, had the opportunity for a franchise 
the, the opportunity is always in seeing something in a different way or providing, you know, making something better, faster, cheaper, or a little bit of a, of, of, a, of an improvement on something as a sort of a beachhead. And I always encourage like young entrepreneurs that kind of want to get in the game and fee- see if it's for them that you can do these incremental businesses, these like you, like maybe you buy a franchise or you buy one of the, or you lease one of your printers as an example, you give it a try, you know, upfront costs, maybe a little bit, or maybe you work for someone that's doing what you want to do. Like there's always, like you said, an opportunity to do something because then you can figure out, well, yeah, these 20 ideas I have today or this month, maybe one of them's good (laughs) or not good. That's that's the best way to do it. When I got into the restaurant business, um, and, and, and again, you know, I said in my journey, I had one restaurant in New York that did very well. And then, uh, I relocated myself because my parents retired and I followed them down to Florida and I opened up a restaurant and copied my restaurant that was 12 years successful in New York. And then I went down and I opened up the same restaurant in, in Florida. And what I, what I earned, um, in, in equity and in, financial reward for 12 years in New York. I lost in one year in Florida. I like to look at those things as, as those lesser successes, um, as learning experiences. Um, and, and again, while, while, while nobody likes to lose, um, lose money or anything. Um, and to your point, VCs are very smart people too. So while you're absolutely correct, Jari, that if only 5%, you know, of people actually get money, please understand also as an entrepreneur, if that's the route you think you're going to take or have to take, VCs are smart people, financially smart people. And they've been there. They've done that. And so out of those 5% that will fund some, some five, or 5% of the ideas that may get funded, less of those people who are the idea people and the owners of those companies will reap the benefits of the reward versus the VC who will, who knows when to get in and when to get out. Um, So, so that's, you know, again, these are all considerations. Um, You know, are you doing something for the quick hit? Are you doing something with an exit strategy, which I think most people, whether you're getting a job, um, you're out of college and you're an intern first, and you said something, Jari, again, really good for, for your audience and anybody to listen to is try it out, work for somebody. You know, that's what I said early on after I sold my tennis shops, uh, which was one of my wins, I went to work for somebody else because I wanted to learn about, about companies and, and managing. I realized in my tennis shops, I didn't know a lot about inventory management and about ordering in the supply chain and all that kind of stuff. So I had the opportunity to sell. I had a partner and I had the opportunity to sell to my partner. <clears throat> was not afraid to do that. A lot of people stay on too long, you know, in this particular case. or, or and, that, and that's another thing, too, about entrepreneurship. You have your goals. You can't be afraid of what somebody else is going to make off of your ideas or your goals. Mm. Some, and the dog wash is a great example. I brought that company to a scale that I had a five-year plan for it, but I did so well in one year that it became attractive to a U.S. manufacturer to start manufacturing this. And they liked it so much, they bought the company. And that put me out of a job because mm. they had their own sales force and their own people intact. They didn't need me at that point. They, they got the product. They wanted to put their own people in charge of doing what I created. Um, so, you know, you have to have your own exit strategy and be happy with that. Um, and so, you know, you, that may be lifetime. It may be I'm building, you know, if it is a, um, a shoe store or, or, or a restaurant, it may be something you want to build and pass down to your children. Um, and you may be in it for life, for life and generations. Um, or it may be something that, you know, hey, you know, I'm 70 years old right now. 
I don't have a lot of these runs left in me. In fact, I'm hoping this is my last one, to be honest. So, um, so, so enjoy me while you can. Uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, uh, so <clears throat> but, but I see what I'm doing for people and building these. So I do have a goal, which actually has been modified already three times um, in the past two years because I've seen it successful. And so, and I see the, 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 the joy and the financial benefits that other people are getting. And I see the team that I'm building. And so now I'm starting to think about things like benefits and IRAs and helping my employees and all that kind of stuff. And, and my, uh, and my customers as, as well. And, uh, so I'm, I'm in this for the long haul, whatever that might be. Um, and, and so it's, uh, these are all things, you know, to consider, you know, what, what, when you're, when you're starting a business, you know, you may want to think, you know, why am I doing it? When do I want to get out? What are my goals? Um, you know, and these goals are financial as well as personal. Um, true, true. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so interesting because, because like most people around your age would be like, ah, I'm going to retire to Florida. And like, you know, play shuffleboard and bridge all day. And you're like, I'm going to roll my own business. <laughs> and I yeah, think a lot me, of call me crazy. That's yeah, right. <laughs> well, but I think a lot. I mean, but you see, I think you do see and I'm starting to see this more trend, especially my generation, you know, I'm Gen X. And, you know, there's starting to be a resurgence of entrepreneurship because a lot of people can't really rely on the traditional structure of work for a company and then get a retirement. I mean, that just doesn't exist anymore. And even older entrepreneurs who have, or sorry, older people who have retired and then like, well, what's next? Like, I'm, I don't want to sit around on a beach in Miami. I mean, some do, and that's half good for of, them. Half of our customers today are people who are either retired or their, their children are coming out of high school or college and they don't know what they want to do. And for the price of a car, they're willing to buy them a wall printer, um, you know, to put into business and to teach them what that might be. Yeah. And, and if it succeeds or fails or they sell or, or if you realize it's not for them. And when I say fail, it's not because my wall printers will fail. They won't. Oh. Um, but because it's just not for you, um, right. you know, the, and, and you learn that. And sometimes learning is is at the hands of somebody else, or sometimes it's because you thought of something today. I mean, God knows I went through um, music growing up. You know, my parents bought me a clarinet. They bought me a, a piano. They bought me um, an accordion. Um, all the things. <laughs> accordion. All, 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 all the things that, that I said, that's really cool. I'd really like that. And my parents were nice and they gave me what they thought would be good for me um, and, right. and what I would want. And they were able to, to give me those, these things. And, and I didn't learn a note on anything. Um, I didn't, I, I, you know, and, and I married a, a, a pianist. Oh, uh, so, well, there so, you got the so, music so, anyway. So, so I, got the, I got the music one way or the other. Right, but, right, uh, right. but I mean, you don't know until you do something, if it's for right. you or it's for not. And, uh, you know, today, uh, you know, today I sit on the advisory board at the local university here in North Carolina, UNCW of their Cameron Business School, Cameron School of Business. And they um, uh, and, and, and we are helping them through their entrepreneurship program, you know, you know, leverage the experiences that me and a lot of other people in the community um, who want to just share these kinds of stories and 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 be a, 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 a resource. And that's one of the things that you have today. You don't have to do everything yourself. You know, you can rely on resources. And there's lots of them out there. Um, there are people in, in, in North Carolina, in, where I am, in Wilmington, we have what's called the CIE. It's the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, which has a bunch of people like me. Um, although I'd like to think there's nobody like me, but <laughs> there is, there's, you know, Paul, there's no one just there's like no one you. quite like you. Everyone's, <laughs> you're unique, just like everyone else. <laughs> you sound like my mother. Uh, so, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so, and thank you for that. Oh, um, but but there's but we have people who are good in finance, people who are good in marketing, people who are good on the internet, people who legal patent advice. You know, there's, don't be afraid to get advice from people, and don't be afraid to leverage the resources you have when you've got an idea for something. You know, there's lots of th people and places out there that are willing to share information with you. Um, so you don't have to do this alone. Even though entrepreneurship by itself, you know, is kind of a a, um, can be lonely. A, a, can be lonely, and and usually starts as a a self motivated uh, venture right. um, and journey. Totally. But but right. still, you'll learn very quickly that there are parts you don't know. You know, I still don't know what I don't know. So exactly, um, I'm with you on that. I I say that all the time. You're like you don't know what you don't know, and you just got to kind of dive in. And what's interesting is that you know. This show, I try to, you know, educate and inspire, right? The next generation of entrepreneur at, at whatever age they determine to be an entrepreneur, right? You know, you've got 50 years in, I've got 25 years in. And it's funny because, you know, there's certain things I think you got to learn on your own. Um, I could, you know, crazy uncle Jari could tell you all day, but you, you will not really truly learn it until you've experienced it. And I think the, the, the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur and the community of entrepreneurs which I think is even more valuable, is that we've all had that dark night of the soul when we're sitting there going, Do I, this is going to go, this is going so badly. I don't know what. And we failed so many times. What was, what was I thinking? Yeah. What was I thinking? And the spouse, thankfully, you've got a good spouse that said, it, you know, we'll survive or whatever. But the, the funny thing is, this is like the only community where, where like failure is just part of the job and accepted. I mean, sometimes the, the bluster of the Silicon Valley entrepreneur and no one's failed and they're crushing it and we're an overnight success, which is all kind of the PR marketing hype. It's a lot of BS. Like it's not the case. But if you talk to individual entrepreneurs, right, failure for us is just like a stepping stone to the next thing. Like we we, we embrace it. We almost be like, I wish I failed faster so I could move on to the next thing because the next thing. Um, you got to learn. You got to learn. learn. Yeah. So yeah, I absolutely. Think, it's it's yeah. just, and there, there and I, I absolutely agree with you. It's an interesting, interesting point, but there is a lot of it. You said it very nicely, uh, Jari. It, there's acceptance of failure in the entrepreneurial community. And there's almost an expectation that, and if you don't, you, you yourself may not have an expectation of failure, nor should you, you know, right. if you, if you right. have that expectation, you probably shouldn't be doing it. But, but if you experience the failure, if you experience the um, falling short of your goal, because failure is very arbitrary, yes. um, it, it could be financial, it, it could be emotional, it could be uh, customer related, whatever, but what, however you fall short of that goal, um, as long as you can recognize it, you know, it's, it's just like investing. You know, buy yeah. low, sell high sounds really good, but <laughs> hard uh, to do, <laughs> but it's very hard to do. Most people stay in much longer or they get in too late. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's just life, you know, and, and again, exactly. just, just not being afraid to take advantage of the resources around you. Uh, I think relate, it all comes down to relationships. Ultimately, uh, once, once your idea um, yeah. bakes a little bit and you decide to really go with it and do whatever it takes to do that. Uh, you know, get those people around you. You're going to need them. Um, you know, and you mentioned <laughs> sure. earlier, you know, find fun, funding things, finances. You know, I call it, I call it um, friends, family, friends, and fools. Um, <laughs> those, those are, those are, the, those are the people. The three who Fs. Are, the three Fs. <laughs> friends, families, and fools. They'll and get you off the ground financially. 
Yeah. Um, but, right. but, but then you want that whole network of people to support you some emotionally, some with the actual talent you need to, right. whether that be a computer programmer, whether it be a, a, a salesperson, whether it be um, a, a legal advice, you know, you'll have to right. find these people um, and, and, and engage them and incorporate them into your idea. Right. Right. Oh, so fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's just great because, um, you know, th- this is one of those kind of gigs or careers or lifestyles or whatever you want to call it, where it's so important to have a support network around you during the good times and the bad times and the times in between. I mean, it's really kind of a team effort, even though it feels solo, it's really a team effort. And I really love the fact that you just said, Hey man, reach out to people to help. I mean, that's why I do this show. That's why, you know, you help with your local university. I've never met an entrepreneur that hasn't been willing to just help because we know how important it is to get the help and to get the encouragement and to be like, you know what, like we've all been through this. You're, you know, you may think you're a unique snowflake, but chances are someone, (laughs) someone's been been there, done that. (laughs) Someone's been there, done that. So what, what, what kind of insights do you think you'd, you'd want to leave for that next generation of entrepreneur or, you know, what are some of the questions they should ask themselves if they're going to go down this journey? Because I think it's important that they kind of level set what the what the expectations may be. Find your passion first and foremost. Okay, you know, I mean, why do you get up in the morning? What makes you sleep good at night? Um, if you don't have the capacity for risk that lets you sleep at night, you know, I don't gamble because I hate to lose, um, and and I won't say I won't say that. Um, completely. I mean, I actually love Vegas, um, you know, but I go there with a, you know, okay, I got $200 in my pocket. You know, some people don't mind losing $2,000, $200,000, you know, $200 because that's what I'd spend for a nice dinner and night on the town. So uh, if I lose that at the, in a casino, I'll sleep very nice at night because right. that was my expectation. And that's what I did. But if you, if you can't take the risk, if you, if you're going, if you got an idea and you think it's the greatest thing and it's going to be the next multi-million dollar hockey stick venture, um, but, but it's going to keep you up at night, not for good reasons, not because you look, you know, I, I, I deal with China all the time, you know, they're 12 hours ahead of me. So if I want to catch them when they're going to work in the morning at 10 o'clock at night, I got to start working at 10 PM. When they start at 10 in the morning, I got to start at 10 o'clock at night. I'm up all the time at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. If I've got an idea or I need some help or I want support, you know, I'm not, I'm out of bed and drives my wife crazy and, and I'm in my office and I'm on the computer or phone to China. Um, but you know, but I'm not, but it's a good fit. Um, you know, it's a good energy. Um, there's bad energy too. And so, uh, so I say, look, if you, if you can't take that risk, if you can't, uh, sleep well at night, um, doing what you're doing, whether it be as a result of financial time, um, the, the, the stress it gives you and your family, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Um, but, but if you can, if you can be passionate about it and you're committed to it, um, and, and again, we're not talking money. We're talking, we're talking, we're talking just the idea, just the idea that you've got or the job you're taking or the, or the uh, business you want to start or consider starting, um, you know, just make sure that that's something that you really, you really see how it's going to benefit you and the people you love and the family that you have. Um, and, and if it is something that's groundbreaking and, and it, it will benefit society too, all power to you and, and go for it. Um, but if you can't see some of those elements there um, that drive you, um, forget about it. 
as they say in Brooklyn. Um, and, <laughs> Forget uh, about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you know, just just look for your passion. Be willing to take a risk. You know, if you can, if you have both of those things, if you have the ability to find something you can be passionate about. Um, and, and you know, for me, I was you know I was a sales and marketing guy. I figured I could sell anything. I could sell ice ice cubes to Eskimos. So um, so it didn't matter what I was doing nor where it was. I loved playing tennis. And I love swimming. Those are my two sports. So I wanted to live in a warm weather climate where I could do that 12 months a year. And so that's what I decided early on. I was going to live in those kinds of climates. And I was going to then find what I wanted to do. Other people, they work for somebody. And then, you know, they hope that things fall into place. Um, but passion is, has to be in there somewhere. And it has to drive you. Um, if it's to take a job, wherever that might be, look, thank God there are people who like living in Minnesota. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that there are people who like doing that. Uh, just like I like the people who appreciate doing plumbing and electric and all the things that I don't know how to do and repairing cars. Um, you know, if you're passionate about it, you can do it and you can perform the service. And then then all of a sudden, after being a mechanic in the local um, Kia dealership tells you that, you know, hey, you really want to own your own car repair place or car detailing place. And that's what you can be passionate about. That's an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, then, then, then that's time for you to cross that bridge from worker to entrepreneur, and you'll know when it happens. Right, for sure. Well, Paul, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. And sure, um, it was nice meeting you. Yeah, it's super cool what you're doing with the wall printer. I hope uh, continued success. And as COVID continues to, or we continue to open up more, and hopefully COVID's behind us. But you know, fingers crossed that uh, you'll continue to make a huge impact on. Thanks. I've got, a, I've got a pretty high level of confidence. Um, even if I'm proven wrong tomorrow, today I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> today <laughs> and, it's and good. That's, and that's and that's an entrepreneur also. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like the guy who fell off the 20 story building. Everybody had their windows open. They saw him falling down, and they heard him say, "So far, so good. So far, so good." That's, that's an entrepreneur too. Uh, that's hundred yeah, percent. We'll but if anybody safe. wants to connect, look, I, I like to leave you. I know you didn't ask for this. Yeah, but no, um, go ahead. but uh, you did mention in the course of our conversation about people sharing and give back and and, and being a community that you know I learn as much from the people I talk to. You know, the ideas come from everywhere. It could come from somebody, you know, in high school who's got an idea for a new type of sneaker business or a new type of skateboard that will also tell me something that might have an impact on me on my business today that has nothing to do with that. So, so yes, connecting, relationships, it's all about. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You know, anybody can Google Paul Barron on LinkedIn or search Paul Barron. Um, I'm not saying that I'm that famous or popular that you can find me all the time, but I am on LinkedIn. I will connect with people who who think that there might be some value in, in striking up a, a, a conversation or something and uh, happy to do it. Wonderful. Thanks, Paul. It was an absolute joy to talk with you and hear all your great stories and experience. Just such a wonderful, wonderful career, I guess. And I guess you're keeping on going with the wall printer. So as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from Paul. Do your homework. Paul stresses the importance of researching companies and markets before embarking on a business venture. And of course, yeah, do the research, do the math. I mean, you know, we talk a little bit about this, but this is probably put perfectly. I mean, you want to know you have a market clearly and that someone wants to buy it, which means that there's a market for goods and services. So make sure you do the research before you dive into something, right? It all comes down to relationships. 
Entrepreneurship can be lonely, but with a good network of mentors, advisors, and supporters, as well as people with the skill and knowledge to fill in your gaps, you'll have a much better chance of success. And we've also hear this quite often, that your co-founders, the people you put yourself around, hopefully you have complementary skill sets so you can help each other out, as well as just the camaraderie of, boy, this is a lonely job. We all know it's a lonely job, right? I mean, we talk about that all the time. So it's good to have a good group of people around you. So that's great advice. Find your passion and be ready to tolerate some risk. If you're going to be up at night worrying about stuff, entrepreneurship is probably not for you. Well, almost not for you. I mean, of course, you're going to worry about things, but generally the entrepreneur game is all about, you know, having the, you know, I don't know, gumption, the the drive to just work through those problems. There's always going to be problems. So if you're worried about where your next paycheck is going to come from or, you know, this amount of uncertainty is not for you, like we've said before, this is probably not the gig for you. So there you have it. The actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Paul. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.